in New Orleans. They call the rising sun. And welcome to the show. We're just discussing the very strange call uh, at the end of the Vikings game uh, where Adam Thielen clearly caught the football. And it, it didn't really end up mattering because we got the first down in the next play. But it, it was just a, a, a little symbol, I guess, of what was happening all day and just calls weren't going our way. It was clearly a catch in my mind. Uh, BG, I think you're on the same page. Zach, I think you're on the same page. Andy is really the only guy who's maybe, I don't even know if you've seen it, Andy, but it was pretty obvious. And the NFL account, as you just told us before we hit the record button there, said uh, there was no indisputable evidence to overturn the call, which is horseshit, uh, because there clearly was. I mean, the ball never hit the ground, and Thielen bobbled it, but it never touched the ground. So I don't know how they can overturn that call, especially after watching it in slow-mo with the plethora of cameras. I mean, we're not talking about a Big Ten network broadcast where they have four cameras, this is an NFL game where there's upwards of 10, 15 cameras uh, at, at that ball game. I mean, that was a ridiculous call. We're not even going to get into, uh, I guess we will get into the, the terrible um, missed P.I. call on K.J. Osborne on a crucial third down. The, there could have even been a defensive, or rather an offensive pass interference on Brashad Breland was held uh, going for an interception in the back corner of the end zone. Clear, jersey tug, no call. Uh, on that big run from uh, Debo Samuel, I think it was in the first half. Yeah, it could have been the second half, actually. But where Kendricks and Barr both held clear as day, no call. And that was just the story of the day all, all the way around. And then, of course, after the game, Mike Zimmer, you know, talking crap in the media, saying they were holding us all day. They need to throw the flag on every play. George Kittle fires back, says, hey, how about you just get your guys to play better? Because they're flopping and all this. And... and it's really just, uh, it, it was the entire Viking season in one game. And, and Kirk didn't really have a great game. He had a pretty bad game, probably his worst game of the year. Um, at least maybe just that's some recency bias. But I, I thought Kirk was bad in some moments. He was great in some moments as well. Uh, but just a disappointing debacle. And, and now I've pretty much lost all hope with this team. I think they'll rattle off a few wins here, get back into it. But with the injuries now starting to pile up with Dalvin Cook, being out for at least two weeks, there is uh, not a lot of hope for the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, it was a it was a tough game for sure. Like you said, uh, both with the actual performance of the Vikings, or maybe a, a lack of performance with the Vikes, and then the officiating was just the nail in the coffin. That's tough to win when you're not playing your best on the road against a pretty good team, against the 49ers, who I think are going to be a playoff team. Um, and it's even tougher to win when you play like that and you're not getting those 50-50 calls, or in this case, those 70-30 calls that should really be easy calls like that feel and catch, like that um, K.J. Osborne interference. Don't know if it would have affected the game um, after all because we still needed to score a touchdown on that last drive and a two-point conversion to tie it. But, yeah, it's just frustrating when things aren't going your way within the game itself um, and the referees. And to the game itself, we – we started off in a non-favorable matchup when you look at our health uh, versus the 49ers offense and what they like to do, having our entire defensive line out, Daniel Hunter, Everson, and our two interior guys out versus the 49ers offensive line who 
runs the ball about 95% of the time and puts three tight ends on each play. It's, it's just not a favorable matchup for, for us at all. So I knew it was going to be a close game and it was going to be a tough one for us to win, but it's too bad we couldn't improve our win streak to three, especially with the two quality wins we had prior to San Fran. Um, and now we're back to under 500 trying to find a way in to the playoffs. Yeah, it, it was certainly disappointing. It, it always sucks, too, when you just get the ball run down your throat. I mean, it's more demoralizing, and that was, I guess, part of the reason why uh, the Gopher game, and we'll talk about that later, was so enjoyable because we really just ran it down the throat uh, of Wisconsin in big situations and big moments, and it was awesome to see us do that. But on the flip side with the Minnesota Vikings, it's so demoralizing when you're just getting your you're just getting smashed all day up the middle on the outside, you know, talking about three tight end personnel and they're just running it down our throat and and exactly what they did. And when you have your head coach who is supposed to be the defensive guru who has been saying in the media, and it's been a weird relationship with Kirk cousins in the media, but when he's telling his quarterback, you go score touchdowns and I'll hold it down on the back end. We'll hold it down on the back end, Zim. You haven't done it once. And, And yeah, they were put in some bad situations, uh, with the turnover, especially from Cousins, that was egregious. That was at a horrible throw. And Kirk said he just didn't see him. But you can't keep giving up these games where you're letting up, I think it was 450-some yards of total offense. Um, I'll pull it up here. But ridiculous. You're getting run for 200. You're letting up 200 yards of rushing. And then you're for what's been the strength of this team is the secondary. They're giving up 230 yards in the past game. I mean, Come on, Mike Zimmer. I, I get it. You got a whole bunch of injuries. Everybody's got injuries. That can't be an excuse after eight years of being the head coach. I got injuries. Well, screw it. You're such a great mind. Figure something out. And he's yet to be able to do that. I'm still fully on the fire Mike Zimmer page. And honestly, if we don't win the Super Bowl, I'm anything short of the Super Bowl, I say fire. And even with the injuries you said that we have, we still have Harrison Smith healthy. We still have um, Anthony Barr, although he's been kind of teetering on and off, and Eric Kendricks, we still have these good guys. The talent is far better than being the 30th-ranked defense in the league, which we are right now. It's just ridiculous when you look at some of the rosters that are in the league, like the Lions and the Bears, uh, the Jets defense. These guys are ranking ahead of us. Um, it's just there's no excuse for it with the guys we have on this roster and the experience and the supposed uh, – uh, specialty, um, the expert that Zimmer is when it comes to a defensive mind in the NFL. As we've talked about before, I, I think the game is progressing too too fast for him to to improve and change the game. It was he was a dominant defensive coordinator seven years ago. He was a good coach seven years ago. The times have passed him up, and he he's not doing anything to change it. Yeah, we had two great wins. I don't know how much of that you give credit to Zimmer except maybe more offensive, uh, aggressive play calling. But here we are again two weeks later talking about stuff this coaching staff isn't doing and our roster of very talented guys, although we're not the healthiest team in the league, uh, but everybody's not 100% healthy. It's just there's no there's no reason this team should be 5-6 and six, um, coming into week 13 here. So it's it's definitely disappointing. Zach, did you get a chance to watch the game on Sunday? Yes, yes. Uh, Brady and I were watching it together for a little bit. Um, yeah, we just couldn't stop them. We couldn't stop them on the run, and that was it. Was crazy. They, I mean, when Debo, I mean, Debo's a great athlete, but when their wide receivers got 
75 rushing yards and a touchdown, you know, you can't stop anything. And they, I don't know. They, they did have, we had, there were some very bad calls that went against us. And at the end of that drive, when, when they didn't overturn that feeling call, I don't know. Um, we were watching it back home at that time, my dad, and we were just looking at, we were just beside ourselves. Like we just couldn't believe what was going on. Um, but with that said, we had, you know, you can't expect to win a ball game like that when you, when they rush for over 200 yards and they've got, you know, score, put up a 36 on here or whatever. I can't remember how much they had. 36. You, yeah. Uh, yeah. You can't be, you can't or be too upset Excuse with me. your team or with the refs or anything like that when they score that many. Right. Um, I don't know. I didn't know what to say. I was kind of almost felt like, yeah, I kicked in the stomach after that game. Um, what hurts kind of most here now is that we've got the same record as the Falcons and the Redskins and um, the who? One other team. The, oh, shoot. Sorry. <laughs> uh, football, football team. Yeah, I'm canceled. Uh, uh, and one other team that's horrible as well. Is it the Panthers uh, or are they one back? Could be the Panthers might be one back. Oh, the Saints. The Saints. Saints, yeah, Saints. I, I, the Saints question gets that that just gets crazier and crazier. I suppose Simeon is a big different, big reason why. But to beat the Packers so badly at the beginning of the year, I thought they were going to be contenders after that game. Um, I've gone off track. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Depressing, depressing loss. And I think uh, yeah, I'd be fine with a change with Zimmer. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm not so much on the fire Zimmer train as I am just, um, just very confused why why we're five and six. We're definitely the best five and six team in the league. No question about it. And so, yeah, um, I mean, I, I still think they're going to make the playoffs. I still think uh, with all the talent they have on this team, especially when you look at the other teams they're tied with, you mentioned the Washington football team, Atlanta, the saints, Washington, Washington football <laughs> team. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, those teams are garbage and the Vikings have, have issues and have had a lot of issues with health but they're significantly better than, than every team I just mentioned. So, and now with the extra wild card team, seven teams getting into the playoffs, I think they'll, they'll get in without, with, with relative ease. I mean, they'll be the last team in, in my mind, but uh, with the schedule they have remaining, they have a good chance to, uh, to sneak into the playoffs and get destroyed in either the first or second round uh, by somebody. But uh, what's most disappointing to me is just the way Zimmer has handled his quarterback and the way he's, had this relationship play out in the media and not between each other, not not the supposed meeting they have every Wednesday afternoon uh, talking about game film and watching game film and talking about how they want to play. And, and the relationship doesn't seem to be budding in those meetings. I mean, obviously we're not there, but it seems like all the drama, everything else, all the issues that they should have had solved are being solved in the post-game press conference by members of the media asking Zimmer a question and then Kirk comes in 10 minutes later and then they ask Kirk that question. They tell Zimmer his response. That's not the way you handle a relationship between a head coach and a quarterback, especially a quarterback as polarizing as Kirk Cousins and who has seemingly as many demons as Kirk does because he's got some issues at times. I mean, we saw it when he lined up under the guard. And I don't think that play was going to get off anyway. Everyone's giving Kirk a bunch of shit for that. Everyone's making memes about that. But why don't you give shit to Justin Jefferson and KJ Osborne for lining up on the wrong side of the ball? Why don't you give shit to this not getting the play in until 10 seconds before and then getting up to the line with five seconds, two receivers line up on the wrong side of the ball. Kirk has to run over and scream to them because it's 70,000 people losing their mind 
on fourth down. Hey, get on the right side of the ball. Runs up, goes under the wrong guy, and then we call a timeout. But there's multiple things that are going wrong. And for the people who keep pointing to Kirk Cousins as the reason we're losing, the only reason, the biggest reason we're losing, I, I say screw him. Because, yes, is Kirk an issue in some situations? Yeah, he is. He, he made some very bad throws. The, throw, the last throw of the game, terrible. The two-point conversion where he could have ran it in, and then he just decides to whip it way high of Justin Jefferson in the back of the end zone. Terrible play by Kirk. The interception, terrible play by Kirk. But all the moments before that, the, the moments in the media, all these things are just snowballing right now for the Minnesota Vikings, and it's tough for them to recover. Um, I have some stats here, and then we can move on. There's a lot to talk about. Obviously, a huge week uh, of sports with Thanksgiving weekend uh, wrapped into then an, an, a full NFL Sunday. I mean, it was crazy. Uh, but just some other stats I wanted to mention here. San Francisco, 6.2 yards per carry, uh, which is ridiculous. I think the final number was 5.3, but you take away the quarterback kneels at the end of the game, and it's adjusted to 6.2 yards per per play that's ridiculous you can't let that happen even if your entire defense starting line is out you got in my opinion the the best safety in the league and in Aaron Rodgers opinion the best safety in the league Harrison Smith you got Eric Kendrick you got Anthony Barr you got Nick Vigil who's playing great and I I don't know why Cam Bynum's not getting more snaps I mean he's, he played great when uh, Woods was out and now he's just not even on the field and Woods looks terrible he, he's taking a huge step back in the second half of the season and he just can't seem to find his footing, at least the footing that he had uh, the first eight weeks. Another interesting stat, Vikings are 0-6 when Jefferson has seven, uh, six, excuse me, six or fewer catches. He had six catches on Sunday. Adding to the stat, they're 5-0 and when Jefferson has seven catches or more. Uh, injury news, Dalvin Cook, we mentioned it, dislocated shoulder. Torres Labrum, that's not official yet. Zim didn't confirm it in the presser, but uh, Rap Sheet, several others in the media saying it's pretty much all but certain he has a torn Labrum. He'll be out for at least two weeks. Um, that might be the worst thing because now we're just going to start whipping the ball around, playing a little more aggressive, which I might kind of like. Um, and Patrick Peterson tested positive for COVID on Monday. So he's likely out against the winless Lions on Sunday. That's pretty much all I have from Vikings, Phils. <laughs> Things uh, aren't looking good. No, not looking good. We'll just run through the schedule here. We got Detroit on Sunday. Then we got Pittsburgh on a short week, Thursday night football. Then Chicago, Monday night football, Rams at home, Packers, Sunday night football, and then the Bears to finish the season. So, I mean, you're looking at it. There's four games you should definitely win. You should beat the Bears twice. You should beat the Detroit Lions, and you should beat – the Pittsburgh Steelers, four more wins, puts us, what, nine and seven? Is that right? Nine and eight? If we lose to the Rams and the Packers? It's got to be 17. I don't know. Cause yeah, nine and eight. Yeah. So that might get you in, probably gets you in. I guess I haven't looked at the other schedules of, of Washington, of the Saints, and of Atlanta, but I like to think nine and eight probably gets you in. There's definitely a chance we could knock off the Rams at home, but I don't have a lot of faith in beating the Packers at Lambeau. I just got to say, we play the Steelers, like you said. Um, 
I, I can't remember if I was watching it with Zach or Jarrett, but Ben Roethlisberger looks like the worst quarterback ever this season. <laughs> he has just no arm power left, and every every single throw across his body is a floater that is up for grabs. Um, so that's going to be an interesting game. I think that we sh- the Steelers the past couple of years has been so overrated for whatever reason, um, and that should be a shoe in But I just had to put it out there, there that Roth, Roethlisberger looks horrible. Yeah, that's, that's all I got. That's kind of what I've heard too a little bit. Um, I haven't he, seen he looks, him play. He in a looks while, like but... someone who like did you, did you see that pick six he threw at the end of the half? Yeah, um, he looks like someone who like on that out path, out route. Like his whole life, he's been able to make that throw. And when he sees the receiver making his break, he in his brain is telling himself, I can make that throw. But he just can't physically make the throw. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really spectacular. Yeah, he was able to get away with that earlier in his career. Now he just doesn't have that power. It's like a big old tight end out there throwing the ball every play. Yeah, it's kind of sad to see. I mean, you kind of just wish he had retired. And I don't even know what they're going to do now with him. But what if he wants to come back next year? Like, are they just, are they just going to say no? Like, you cut him? I feel like you have Yeah, to. they're going to be Gophers fans hearing the Tanner Morgan news about him coming back. <laughs> Not super excited. Yeah, <laughs> well, we'll get into that in a minute. I want to talk Wolves because they've been super hot. Big win. Uh, let's see, it would have been two nights ago now over the Indiana Pacers without uh, three pretty key guys. I mean, kind of the heart of this team in McDaniels, Vanderbilt, and uh, Pat Beverly. I mean, without those three guys, especially without Beverly in the defense, uh, that's that's tough for this Wolves team. It's been tough anytime you're missing guys, but big-time win. Now they got seven out of the last eight. They've climbed out of the 4-9 and nine hole to get to 11-10, and 10, and the T-Wolves are just absolutely on the move right now. Anthony Edwards playing great basketball, and it's fun to watch Target center just explode when that kid has big dunks, the alley-oop against the Pacers on Sunday. The place just goes nuts. He had kind of a lackluster first half, pretty slow start for for him and really the team. I think they trailed by nine at halftime, and and then to get that come-from-behind win and just see the target center go crazy for our new star, Anthony Edwards, uh, was certainly fun to watch. BG, did you catch that game against Indiana? Yeah, I did. It was a great win against Indiana. one of the few teams in the NBA who's pretty good and doesn't have an all-star on their team. I guess the bonus is an all-star, but other than that, just a bunch of no-namers. But, yeah, it was a good win against the Pacers. Like you said, seven of the last eight has been uh, won by the Wolves, and I think we can count that on our hands how many times in our life that's happened where the Wolves have won seven out of eight. Um, So, yeah, it's super exciting to see our young guys play together and our big three, as I guess we're calling them, Towns, Russell, and Edwards, um, dropping a good amount of points and, and playing good team basketball together. Like I've said before, I think they played around five games together all of last season because they couldn't stay on the court together. Um, and we're seeing it right before our eyes. They're getting more and more comfortable night in and night out playing against each other in real um game scenarios and something the wolves are doing this year is we're winning those close games where if we got lucky enough to be in a close game scenario at the end of the game last year there was no chance we were going to win it because we didn't have that leadership and composure and i don't know if that's our guys just growing up or if it has to do with chris finch being our coach but we're finding a way to win those close games like we did against the pacers earlier this week like we did 
in Philadelphia in that double overtime win over the weekend. Um, Joel Embiid's return for the season, a huge game against one of the better teams in the NBA, going into Philly and winning that in double overtime, missing Beverly. I think we were without Vanderbilt Vanderbilt and McDaniels too. Um, It's just great to see because we haven't seen that and we're still such a young team. The, The talent is there and the potential is there. And recently in this last eight games or so we've been really putting it together and it's it's fun to watch as a fan obviously because we're winning but it's it's just so exciting to see guys actually hustling out there and playing defense not something you're really used to while watching the nba yeah the defense has been much improved they rank seventh in defense efficiency they're allowing 105 points per 100 possessions under finch which is a drastic improvement i don't have the numbers in front of me of what it was under the previous administration but i can tell you it wasn't seventh in the nba and that's been uh, a very happy change for any timberwolves fan and it's rare to say that oh after the vikings lose oh at least we have uh the timberwolves like what we haven't said that in a while but we do we do get to watch timberwolves and they're a joy to watch a super fun team i've watched more t wolves games this season than i have probably in my entire lifetime i would say uh yeah, I've watched like five games this year, so I, I would definitely say that's at least up there in the number of T-Wolves games, regular season T-Wolves games that I've watched any other year combined. Um, so it's a fun team to watch. It's fun to see uh, A-Rod and what's the other owner's name? Lori, Mark Lori. It's fun to see those two guys tweeting about this team on a nightly basis and tweeting at the players. Like uh, I think it was a Kogi had the big block at the end of the Indiana game, and then you see A-Rod tweeting about it. Uh, it's pretty cool to see. Um, even Russell, I guess he's finally starting to play a little better. He had 21 points, 11 assists and eight rebounds on Monday, uh, against the Pacers still not shooting the three ball particularly well, especially as a team, the numbers are very down. Uh, but when, when you get some of those threes to start going, cause it, it kind of goes in slumps and, and you know, you go on runs, that's basketball, it's a game of runs and they're, they've been in a slump for pretty much the entire season shooting three pointers. Uh, but when you get some of those to start falling in. I imagine the Wolves will start blowing some of these teams out, and that's going to be fun to see as they compete for a spot in the Western Conference, which is absolutely looks like a, a very realistic thing to say right now. You guys want to talk a little go for football? Let's do it. That was big. Hell big yeah. Week. That was awesome. Yeah, Andy, the biggest go for fan on Saturday. Um, actually, let's talk about that Iowa-Nebraska game first because that would have been a huge one. And Nebraska is unbelievable. I like they're the Minnesota Vikings of college football this year. They find a way to get up big. They're up 21 six. I believe it was against Iowa. And then they proceed. And I'm not even, I I texted this to you guys. You can't say that Nebraska shoots themselves in the foot because they really just shoot themselves in the face. Like they are (laughs) terrible when it comes to, uh, when it comes to finishing games and finding a way to not, cough up the ball was it a blocked field goal randy that kind of led the charge i believe uh, blocked blocked punt yeah block punt yes uh, i forget who tweeted up but someone pointed out that iowa had a had a six card blackjack took them six scores to get to 21 including a safety a bunch of field goals and a uh, and a touchdown um but hey i mean that's that's kirk Ferentz football right there whatever it takes yeah i mean yeah you could say that i guess if you're playing any other team in, in the big 10 west you probably lose that game because uh, they're not quite as terrible at finishing. I mean, this is a historically bad team. 
at, at finishing games. And it, it was ridiculous to watch. I was very excited when they got up 21-6. I thought, okay, just run the clock out now. Run a little Big Ten football. Just let's maybe get a few punts. That's fine if you if you have to punt, but just don't let them block a punt for a touchdown. And I was out bowling with my family just watching it, the score on my phone after the, the, the first half I got to watch on TV. And then watching the score on my phone, I'm just, I can't believe this. The win probability went from like 96% at one point uh, for Nebraska when they had the ball up 21-6 to all the way down to zero when they lost the game. And it was just a demoralizing way to start that, that holiday weekend uh, if you're a Gopher fan. But then to beat the Badgers in the way they did, uh, the way the Gophers did, was just uh, a nice little consolation prize uh, instead of winning the Big Ten West. They won the Axe, and, and it was a dominating performance from the Gopher offensive line. Tanner Morgan probably had his best game of the year as a Gopher, and uh, big news, he didn't walk on senior day. He's coming back, fellas. He's coming back for his sixth year. I know BG's going to... Yeah. Uh, hell? He's coming back for his sixth year, and I'm a little more optimistic, I think, than BG, and maybe he sounds like you are, Zach. Uh, <laughs> Because he had a terrible year, but obviously there's a lot of things going on. We didn't even talk about it in the pot, but his dad passed away, I think, five months ago now. And and he was coming off a pretty bad 2020 season. Uh, But if we can get that 2019 Tanner Morgan that we saw on on Saturday, rather, that's that's the Tanner Morgan we need. And if we get him for a sixth season, I'm all in. You got Mo Ibrahim coming back as well, the returning uh, Big Ten player of the year or I guess he was the preseason Big Ten player of the year, and you're going to lose a lot of the offensive line, but you're still going to have uh, P.J. Fleck. You're still going to have Matt Simon as who's going to be promoted to offensive coordinator. We fully expect after they let go Mike Sanford Jr., who had a really bad year as the offensive coordinator, uh, who really failed to run a slant or a bubble or a hitch all season long. I mean, it was either throw it deep or throw it to, or just force it to Chris Autumn Bell. And it's good to see him go. It's good to see Matt Simon back uh, calling plays for this team. He called one game uh, for the Gophers. It was the 2019 bowl win over Auburn. And he looked great. He looked great. And even PJ, the last two weeks running off the field against uh, Indiana and then against Wisconsin, credited Matt Simon with a lot of the play calls. He said credit to Matt Simon. He's been helping out with the play calls, doing a great job. And now it's good to see him Hopefully, they finally get a chance uh, to call plays for this team. But, Andy, uh, let's, let's finally hear from you. What was your reaction to that big win over the Badgers? That was uh, it was huge for the state of Iowa. Uh, it was huge for local business in Indiana. Um, last time uh, Iowa played in the Big Ten championship game in Indianapolis, uh, the bar closest to Lucas Oil Stadium uh, reportedly bought uh, the most alcohol they've ever bought for a single week, and Iowa drunk them out of booze before the game even started. Um, so big big weekend for local business in, in, in Indianapolis. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like you're talking about how well Tanya Morgan played. I mean, that defense just shut Wisconsin down. I mean, you I, I forget the final score, but um, and I, was, I was quite a few drinks in at that point. But... Um, 23-13. Like, I think you're up maybe 10 points towards the end. or Yeah, it's 23-13. Um, yeah, 20, yeah, you're up no, points. No I, offensive it, touchdowns. And I was not worried at all about Wisconsin coming back because of how well that Minnesota defense was playing. Um, so, I mean, it's uh, it's just cool to see, too, you know, how how pumped Minnesota was to get the axe back. And, you know, them playing jump around on the field was awesome. 
um, just everything about that game was, you know, for me, you know, having Minnesota connections um, and also having root against Wisconsin. Um, I think uh, Kirk Fearns probably said it best when he was asked if he was rooting for the Gophers to win. He said um, he never roots for, he can never get, he can never get himself to root for that team. He never, he didn't name Minnesota specifically, but he says, but he's rooting for a specific outcome. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Minnesota, Minnesota did his job on Saturday. Now I was playing against Michigan uh, in the ship. Yep, that's going to be a bloodbath. I hope you guys get swapped, Randy. I hope you guys just get destroyed by Michigan. Um, and yeah, I guess it'll be good for the local business, though, like you mentioned, because halftime you guys are all leaving the stadium and you're going to hit up the local pubs uh, that hopefully have no TV so you don't have to see the massacre unfold before your eyes. Um, this is Iowa might be the worst worst team to to represent the Big Ten in the championship oh, game since Northwestern. Yeah, I was I was bad last year. Yeah, they put up a fight for like last year. they put up a fight yeah, though. No, I was in Northwestern, and then these two teams, and then before that, I can't remember a worse team to represent. Okay, um, well, we'll see how it unfolds on Saturday. But Northwestern, I, I watched that game. We had uh, Ramad Chakio Bowman, who's been on the show. He was on that Northwestern team last year, uh, so I was pretty invested in, in watching that game. And if I remember correctly, it was a either I think it was like a ten point game in the third quarter. And towards the end of the third quarter, maybe even and Northwestern had the ball. They were they did not get blown out. I mean, it was not a forty nine zero game. It wasn't over from the first snap. Northwestern held like, their own like for this weekend's going to be yeah three that quarters. Was, that was odd. Like Northwestern, they um they didn't have like the they, they had some big wins last year. I, I almost they almost kind of like reminded me of Indiana what they did last year. Like they they won the games they needed to and they they lost that big one versus Ohio State. Indiana did, but Northwestern just made the most of their opportunities and they like I don't think anyone realized how what they could actually do until that Big Ten game. I still think they were kind of it was I think it was kind of embarrassing that they made the Big Ten championship game. To be honest with you, uh, yeah. Was, but the Big Ten West was embarrassing last year. So okay, so, uh, how, how was this for a stat? So over the past four years. Northwestern has won the Big Ten West twice and finished dead last in the Big Ten West twice. <laughs> yeah, that sounds, that sounds kind of like an Iowa stat, honestly. You're getting the good Kirk Ferentz, you're getting bad Kirk Ferentz. He's been hey, good the last few years. We're a late win team. I don't know what P.J. Fleck and you all are smoking over up there in Minnesota, but we're a perennial eight-win team here in Iowa. Eh, I don't know, maybe. Uh, but here, some more stats on last year's game, Andy. Northwestern was winning 10 to 6 at halftime. Ohio State scored in the third quarter to make it 10-13 and then they scored 9 points in the fourth quarter to make it 22 to 10. But that was a respectable performance. 12-point loss from the Northwestern Wildcats. And granted it was only uh I think it was a what was it, a 6 game uh Big 10 season or something like that, maybe even less. Like that, yep. So it was a shortened season, you know, give a lot of credit at least i don't give a lot of credit to northwestern for winning the six game season great they won it but you know it, it's a lot easier to win a six game season than it is a 10 game season um i'm sure all the northwestern fans are saying then why didn't the gophers do it um well the gophers had a terrible year um this is where now we're getting from bg who's out of commission at the moment um with some bathroom issues but he's saying that a gopher four-star commit decommitted from minnesota after morgan announced his return uh to minnesota I don't blame him. Dude, Morgan, they announced after that Wisconsin game, they're like, and now the winningest 
quarterback in Minnesota history, that's embarrassing. That is absolutely embarrassing. It's only only because he's been here for 27 years is the reason why he's done that. I can't stand him. I wish he was gone. I can't stand him. I'm sorry. I I, I would have decommitted too if I was a four star coming to Minnesota. Yeah, we lost a few backups too. That's to be expected um, at the quarterback position. Transferring out Zach Anikstead along with uh, like the number four guy on on the on the roster at quarterback. So screw him. Let him let him go. But EP guy. Nope, he's back. Uh, Tommy, he's back. not Tommy Kramer. Uh, whatever his first name is, something Kramer. Yeah, I think you give him a shot. Honestly, I, I, I mean, obviously you can't now that he, Bimbo's coming back. But I think uh, he, I think the EP guy could really, um, really, really turn the offense around in a way that is exciting for fans to watch. And obviously, it's it's great when we pound the ball and we're running the ball over everybody's throats, and that's that's awesome to see. But every time Morgan has the ball in his hand, I just. I just, I'm automatically, my heart just kind of sinks. Like I just, there's nothing, nothing great is going to come out of from him having the ball. And I just, yeah, uh, I don't know why I, I'm so frustrated. I agree with I that from the last two years. Yes, you could say that. And that's a big sample size. But when you look back to that 2019, the play calling was so different. And I think, I, I really do think a lot of it had to do with the offensive coordinator. I mean, we didn't run, I, I was reading up on some tweets from Ron Johnson, to former gopher receiver. He played for the Ravens in the NFL. Huge gopher fan. He, he covers them pregame and postgame uh, for the local channel here. But he was saying the, the number of hitch routes, bubble screens, quick passes, like slants and all that, was, was unbelievably low. Like we, I, don't, I don't remember the gophers running a hitch the entire season. And if you're not giving your quarterback some easy throws to start out the game, you're making him throw play action uh, boots to Ottman Bell with double cover on him, double, two guys covering him. I mean, it's it's hard throw to make, but if you can start opening the offense up like they did with with that 2019 team, granted you had two elite receivers on that team in Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman, uh, but PJ's showed no signs of being able to not recruit anymore. I mean, he's still bringing in big-time recruits, uh, especially at the skill positions. I don't know if Brevin Span Ford at the tight end is going to be back next season or not, uh, but I haven't lost all faith, especially with the new offense coordinator with the offense coordinator that we've had, uh, that we had in the 2019 bowl game win over Auburn, Matt Simon. I'm still holding out hope for, for Tanner Morgan and especially yeah. with Mo coming back. I mean, you got the best running back in the big 10, if you can stay healthy. That's so true. Yeah. And I don't know what our, our lines looking like or a lot of them leaving, but we, I mean, we were doing it with six string running backs this year. I mean, like, yeah, I think it was our sick, I think, um, uh, Bucky. Thomas, no, no, no. Yeah, uh, Thomas and Irving were both, I think, like I think fourth, fifth string starting this season. I, yeah, I think even higher. Like, oh yeah, I think. I could be remember. fifth, I was, sixth. I was talking to but anyway, yeah, that's beside the point. Are we? Are, is our O line coming back? Or is I don't know. I mean, I I didn't really go through and look who's coming back and who's not. I would imagine pretty much everybody on the offensive line is gone uh, because yeah, I think I mean, the average I mean, the most starts of anyone. Oh in yeah, FBS. It I was ridiculous. It was too, like he's, he's gonna be like a top ten o-line guy going maybe top i mean i heard either top 10 pick or top 10 o-line big difference there yeah um, i would guess top 10 o-line but could be a top 10 pick that would be like that would be pretty ridiculous though i, I would guess would we'll get we'll get into some of that draft stuff later maybe davis kim will come back on and help us out with that um but i think the average age for that gopher offense line was 24 years old which is <laughs> like awesome. insane i mean it showed dude it, we, we, yeah. it was it was our strong suit and when you, when you get those, I just can't imagine if we had Ibrahim the whole year, what yeah. we could have done. Oh, we'd be 11-0. We'd be 11-0. We'd be going to the Rose Bowl, hopefully. 
but they still should get a solid bowl game. Uh, outside of the rankings, I thought maybe there's a chance they'd sneak into the top 25 uh, after that win over Wisconsin. They didn't, uh, but they still should get uh, a decent bowl game after uh, an eight-win season. Anything else? I guess there's kind of a lot college football. I got a whole bunch of stuff on coaching, but uh, Andy, anything else on Iowa or uh, Zach on the Gophers? Well, uh, I'll be I'll be reporting live from Indianapolis this weekend. So Amen. that'll be fun. That'll be so fun. I love it. If if you guys are getting just absolutely whooped at halftime, Andy, you have to take a video, a halftime press conference, emergency press conference. I, 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 I don't know what goal I have yet. So I um I texted you all that um I uh I think I'm gonna bring a sign and I'm looking for sign ideas. The first one I thought to... of the first one I thought of is uh Jim Harbaugh thinks Sprite is spicy. Thinks what, uh, thinks is, spicy. what is spicy? Thinks Sprite is spicy. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, I don't know if you I don't know if you all have any other good ones. Um also I was thinking if we do get blown out. Or something happens, my goal is to be like that Michigan fan against Michigan State, like become a meme, yes. hands over the head, yes. mouth wide open. Andy, can you mouth. try to bring in a paper bag into the stadium <laughs> in case it's like 40 nothing at halftime? You could cut out two eye holes and you could put your, you could just put the paper bag on your head. That would be 100% guarantee. Yes, please do. You would guarantee to get on TV. Oh, for sure. And I might suffocate. So, you know. It's <laughs> yeah, it's a win win. <laughs> Andy, you should say, uh, Jim Harbaugh eats saltine crackers. <laughs> Put that on the sign. <laughs> I do like that one. Uh, all right, well, let's get to some of the coaching carousel news. Wild, wild Monday. Wait, 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 real quick, real quick, before we get into it, why is it called a coaching carousel? Why did we decide on carousel? Because it's a carousel, Randy, spins around, and that's exactly what's happening. The, the coaches just all spin around and then they jump off and they find a new team and it's wild. And sometimes they're going to the same team they already went to, or they're taking, I don't know. It's weird, but I don't know. I guess that's the only explanation I have. Zach. It makes sense to me. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Um, let's get into it. Cause there is a lot to talk about Lincoln Riley going to USC. And this is the most ridiculous college football, even I would say, sports contract I've ever even heard of. I, I don't know if there's ever been a coach who's had this ridiculous of a deal. I don't I can't think of anything that would even remotely compare to this deal that Lincoln Riley got. And this isn't confirmed yet, but uh it, it's as accurate as we're gonna find at this moment. So Lincoln Riley's deal is a hundred and ten million dollars undisclosed number of years, but they're expecting him to be the highest paid college football coach of all time, even more than Nick Saban's $9.7 million per year. Um, on yeah. top of a $110 million deal, USC but, bought... But I will note that um, Nick Saban has a clause in his contract that makes him the highest paid coach in college football. Okay, what's that? No, that that's the clause, is that Nick Saban will be the highest paid coach in college football. I don't oh. know if it'll take into effect here because USC is private and these will never technically be public. Right. But it is the greatest contract clause in the history of contracts. That Wait a second. Is, it, is, are, you, are you legit? He has to be the highest paid co- football. That's, it's in his contract that he has to be the highest paid coach. <laughs> That's yeah. but again, incredible. But again, you, you, USC is a public, is, is a private school. Right. So technically any numbers aren't, aren't public. 
But like if Brian Kelly's number at LSU is higher, Nick Saban's gonna get a pay grade, pay raise. First of all, I didn't know USC was private. Second of all, that is a ridiculous. <laughs> I didn't realize that either. <laughs> <laughs> That's unbelievable, dude. Okay, first of all, I'm confused as hell why Lincoln Riley. Was, okay, now I understand why the money factor. Uh, that's probably why he went there. He had such an amazing thing going at Oklahoma. He had his first probably two last season since he's been there. I mean, is he scared about going to the SEC or what? I don't, I don't understand what he was doing. Well, he's just, not going to have success at USC like he did at Oklahoma. I guarantee you that. But the Pac-12 is anyone's game. I don't know. I think that was stupid. I think he's an idiot for that. Yeah. Well, let's just let me hear, let me finish the rest of the deal because this is big time money that that isn't even involved with the contract. Um, and this is why I think it's the sweetest deal anyone's ever gotten. And I will take this any day of the week over Nick Saban's deal, even though Nick Saban has that clause. I didn't realize he had that. But the highest paid coach, again, like Andy mentioned, they're not really going to know exactly how much Lincoln and Riley is making because it's a private university. Um, so not only the $110 million undisclosed number a year deal, USC is also buying both of his houses in Norman for one uh, for rather half a million more than the asking price on both of the houses, which is they're paying half a million more than what they could sell it for just so that the Riley family doesn't have to go through the hassle of selling a home. Um, they're buying him a $6 million house in LA, which to be fair, LA is the most ridiculous housing prices in the country. I believe I, I think like the medium home price, the median home price there is half a million dollars. So $6 million doesn't nearly go as far as it would in say a place like Norman but that's still a $6 million house in LA unlimited use of the team or of the USC private jet for his family. 24 seven, 24 seven access to the USC private jet for family. He can use it for anything. It doesn't have to be related to football. doesn't have to be for anything. They want to go down to the Bahamas for quick vacation. Boom. Hopping on the jet. We're out of here. They're also buying out. Well, they have to buy out his contract, which the rest of his contract at, Oklahoma, which is going to be another four and a half million dollars. And they have to pay out their old head coach, Clay Helton, who has a $10 million buyout. So altogether, this is like a $150 million deal uh, when, when you add in, well, maybe not that much, $140 million, we'll say, uh, with, with the $10 million, the $4.5 million, the $6 million house, buying out his two houses in Norman, and then however much gas I guess they use on that private jet but a ridiculous contract for Lincoln Riley and that's not even the extent of the ridiculous contracts in college football this week fellas because Brian Kelly also got a ridiculous deal uh and a crazy stat here and Andy you probably knew this already but uh Brian Kelly is the first head coach to leave Notre Dame on his own will I guess or under his own means like not getting fired in a hundred years there hasn't been oh a head coach. <laughs> yeah, not, not just that for, for Brian Kelly, but Lincoln Riley is the first coach to leave Oklahoma for a different job in college yeah, uh, since the 1940s. See, wow. I, and I believe that. I, I believe that because what a stupid call. You, I, I, you guys keep talking. Let me, let me get my thoughts together and I'll start talking again. Sure. So just the rest <laughs> of the Brian Kelly deal, 10 years, 95 million. So we'll put him... Just about two hundred thousand dollars a year below um, Nick Saban's nine point seven million per year, uh, but still a ridiculous deal for Brian Kelly heading over to LSU. Pretty surprising, fellas. I didn't expect Brian Kelly to leave Notre Dame. 
and I, I know the only job just, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the pot or not, but having caddied for some pretty big time gopher donors this past summer and they were talking about PJ and where he would go and was he going to go to USC or was he going to go do this? And this one guy who knows him very well and he plays golf uh, with, he brings PJ out to Hazeltine a couple times a summer uh, said the only place that PJ would leave for is Notre Dame. And maybe it's not his time yet to leave Notre Dame, but with Brian Kelly gone, that definitely opens up the possibility of PJ leaving Minnesota. Oh no! Do you think he would do that right now? Do you think he'd get up and leave? I don't think he'd be the guy for Notre Dame, though. I don't, yeah, exactly. I don't think Notre Dame I mean, wants PJ. Where did they get Brian Kelly from? Cincinnati. Right. Yeah. You think Luke Fickle? I mean, uh, late breaking news. So the college football playoff rankings were just announced, and the committee said that they will take into account uh, coaching vacancies when it comes to selecting the final four. Oh. Was so, that when was that, that came, came out? What was that? When did that come out? Uh, right before we recorded this podcast. <laughs> wow. So, um, I mean, it, you have a situation where you could have uh, Fickle be named the coach at Notre Dame, and Cincinnati and Notre Dame both be playing in the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, it's um, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy what we could see the next couple weeks in this coaching carousel. I mean, my thought is. Why don't those two guys just hold out for another couple, like yeah. another month and a half? Recruiting, yeah, and recruiting is too important. But now with the early signing period and everything, um, I mean, they have to. They're going to get on the plane and start recruiting now. I mean, yeah, but still, what's the goal? What's what? Okay, was, but what's the goal of recruiting to get to the college football playoff? So you can say, yeah, it's for recruiting for next year. But how about this year? Why don't you finish out this year? I mean, do you really think you have that little of a chance to beat a Georgia or to beat a Michigan? I mean, if you're really that low on your team that you're going to leave in the middle of what could be a playoff push, I mean, that's that to me says everything you need to know about the guy. Both. I of mean, them. it's it's it, it it's the standard in college football. I mean, it's very rare that you see someone, unless they're retiring, very rare that you see a coach leave and not take the job. I mean, I mean, Lane Kiffin took went from the offensive coordinator at Alabama to being the head coach at FIU. And he took that job in between the semifinal game and the championship game, and he didn't coach in the championship game. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That is lane train, though. That's a completely different that is, animal. That is lane train. Yeah. I you uh, you, you want to? Um, I can put these uh, these coaching contracts in a little bit of perspective if you want. So these big athletic programs they're bringing in probably around 150 million dollars a year. These top programs in revenue paying these coaches 10 plus million dollars with all these benefits, $150 million in revenue a year is the same as three Walmarts. So imagine if Hmm. you had three Walmarts that you ran and your salary was $10 million. That's, that's how crazy these contracts are. I mean, they just don't make any sense. And you got to imagine the TV deals now are going to be insane when they re-sign them. I think it's due up next year or maybe a, a year from that. Uh, but it, it's a lot of the TV money, too, that they're getting. Yep. Um, that, that's factoring into these deals as well. Um, I have pulled up the 10, now the 10 highest paid coaches in college football. And as of now, Randy, it says Lincoln Riley, number one, at $10-plus million a year. Nick Saban, $9.8 million a year. Brian Kelly, nine five. 
million a year. Mel Tucker, he just signed the big extension with Michigan State. He's making nine and a half million a year. At number five, we got David Shaw at Stanford. He's making eight point nine million. Dabo Sweeney at Clemson's making eight point four million. Jimbo Fisher, this is a crazy contract. Seven and a half million at Texas A and M. Uh, don't go away on me. Kirby Smart is making seven point one million at Georgia, and James Franklin is making. Oh, just it's blacking out on me. Come on, seven million a year at Penn State. Harbaugh didn't make that list. Harbaugh did not. Ryan Day, number ten Harbaugh on the just list. Took a price cut. Six point six million. Yeah, and he actually he donated a bunch of his contract to administration people yeah. in the administration that had pay cuts. Which I thought was pretty cool. Out of wow. old Jimmy boy. Um, so wild week in college football. Big time I, win I for the Gophers. Go ahead, Zach. I was just saying, I don't understand, um, Andy, what you said about they had said now they take into account coaching vacancies. So that does that mean like say Luke Fickle leaves? Does that mean they would be like, All right, Cincinnati's no longer as good with their head coach, we're not gonna put him in the final four then, or how does that work? I mean, they didn't expand anymore. They just basically said that they'll they'll take it into account when picking teams. So, I mean, if so they're, well, how, how I think of it is like, if they're, let's say they're in between Notre Dame in the five spot and um, Oklahoma state, let's say, and Notre Dame has an interim head coach, they might factor in Oklahoma state having a head coach. Mm, I see. I see. Good yeah. deal. Okay. That's Which is, I mean, yeah, that, that is, can, I can't, I cannot believe you would get up and leave your team as Notre, as Notre Dame head coach. Yeah. Um, at this position in the season. I cannot believe that. Right. I mean, it definitely is one thing if you're Lincoln Riley and Oklahoma just lost and they're out of playoff mm-hmm. contention, but it's a whole other thing for Brian Kelly to uh, just get up and leave. I think they've made it two out of the last three years to the college football playoff. Haven't really done much with it, obviously, but um, with, with a chance to make it to a third now in the last four yeah. years, just getting up and leaving town. And he pretty much, I, I was reading a report from one of the assistant coaches who was out recruiting on Sunday night when the news was starting to break. I think it was Sunday night. And he said he had just walked out of a recruit's house and he looked at his phone and saw all the news. And he's like, man, he just made me look like an effing asshole to that family. And I mean, I can't imagine the not only the assistants that are left in the wake of, of a coach leaving, but the players too. I mean, you got to feel for those guys who put however many years. I mean, you could be talking about fifth or sixth year seniors who have been under Brian Kelly for that long and have given them everything he's got. For, for six years and to have their coach just walk out the door on them uh, a month before the season ends is a, is a tough way to go. Yeah. Unbelievable. Well, Zachary, let's get into a little bit of wild talk. Uh, probably the best team in Minnesota right now. Actually, yeah. are like definitely the best team in Minnesota right now. They're 14, <laughs> six and one on the season. It's the second best start in franchise history with 29 points in 21 games. And Ryan Hartman, he continues to be the story of this team. He had another big goal on Sunday. Uh, it was his fourth game winner of the season, 12th goal um, overall, but his fourth game winner. That leads the team, and that was over the defending champions out of Tampa Bay, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, but Ryan Hartman, just unbelievable, and even making a late push to maybe be an Olympian, which if, if you had wow. asked anybody early in the season or even before the season, you could have got plus 20 million on Ryan Hartman to make the Olympic team. Uh, But have you been watching any wild? Uh, Not much. No, I, uh, I still, I unfortunately um, 
watching these other Minnesota teams. <laughs> uh, football, football right now is just kind of what I what I watch, and then January comes around, then I'm all all in for the Wild. But we'll say I watched highlights of that seven one game versus the Jets, and we just my goodness, we look good. We look really really damn good, dude. And uh, it it's hard to you know hard to hard to say we're going to keep this up. I think. Um, <laughs> Gophers, Minnesota Gophers have followed them way more closely in the past. Um, go for hockey, and we have a tendency to start out really hot and then choke at the end. Um, I, I love it. I love it right now, but I'd, I'd I'd like to see this push later in the year too. It's it's just hard to see. It's hard to say. You know, a team is totally different team sometimes in uh, uh, November than they are. You know, come May, come time for the Stanley Cup playoffs. So I don't know. I'm I'm stoked. I, I shouldn't I shouldn't be a downer about this, but I, I just hope we keep it up. Yeah. Because we'd be it'd be Minnesota fashion if we just started, you know, um, started on the downfall here and we end up squeaking into the eight seed or something like that. You know, I think uh, we've had enough disappointment. Uh, yeah. Minnesota sports as well. I think we're on a hundred and now with the um, the Twins when they missed the uh, play playoffs. I think that was now. Oh, what is it? There's a stat. Well, um, okay, no, Twins aren't in it. Twins aren't in that one because they've won two ti- titles. I think that the Timberwolves, Wild, and Vikings collectively have gone now 115 seasons without a championship. Um, mm, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just saying. I, I'm not saying, but I'm just saying. Like, I, yeah. it's, it's early. I hate to be that kind of guy, but in Minnesota, you kind of got to be that kind of guy. Right. And as the guy, oh, Gophers just squeaked out a one-point win over the Panthers of Pittsburgh to get to six and out. Wow. Incredible. Uh, for basketball? For basketball. Yeah. Sorry. That just wow. popped up on my timeline there. Uh, yeah. The, the wild have really historically struggled in January and you just hoping you don't have that epic collapse that they lose like, you know, 15 or they, they have 15 games to lose 12 of them. Something terrible yeah, exactly. like that where you, you just go in an absolute slump and they, it's yet to happen. I mean, they lost back to back games, uh, but they've been so good at coming from behind, and, and they've been so good at extra attacker situations. They still lead the, N- the NHL in extra attacker goals. I believe it's up to seven now on the season. So they can come from behind. They can beat you flat out like they did on Sunday night against the defending champs, and they just have a ton of depth. I mean, Kirill, I think, is still leading the team in points with how many assists he has, but yeah. only a handful of goals for him so far, and he's really yet to, to start lighting up, light the lamp, as they say in hockey, but uh, there, there's a ton of depth in this team. And if you keep building around the, the young stars, you keep building around Ryan Hartman and, and the goaltending, uh, th- this team has a chance to make a deep run. And I think you guys should start saving your pennies because uh, I'm taking the exact opposite approach of Zachary here. I think we're going to the Stanley Cup playoffs and we're going to the finals. Heck yeah, dude. I love it. I love that. I, I want that to happen. I, yeah. I really do. I, uh, so I was Okay, so I was watching the end of Wednesday night's game. And I think I think these third periods are just super, super unpredictable for the Wild on either side of this. We were up two one with a minute thirty left, and then we let it up. Um, ended up I think winning in a shootout versus the Devils. Um, but like you had said, the come from behinds right now. I think we had two maybe three two goal comebacks in the month of November. Yep. And that I mean that's unbelievable. Oh, two two goal comebacks in the third period like that. Yep. It's just. I don't, that's, that's unlike the wild dude. I, I'm, I'm excited. I got to, I got to turn these guys on. Um, yeah, no, but, they're, they're yeah, an exciting team to watch. And I, you guys will hopefully remember our bet. We all picked a team 
that uh, would go. I picked Minnesota Wild, uh, first team to get to their respective championship game and or series. The other three members of this podcast have to buy tickets uh, to that game, and we're all going. So it's going to be awesome, and I hope it's the Wilds. I get a free ticket to the NHL playoffs, fellas. It's going to be expensive, yeah, Andy, too. Andy, did you automatic? I don't know if you were there that night, but did you automatically get the Timberwolves? <laughs> I got the Wolves, and it's looking not as bad as I thought it would be. Right I, I would say, Andy, <laughs> I would say that's the second best team you could pick um, with at the current uh, evaluations of both of all four major franchises in Minnesota. The the, uh, the Wolves are definitely the second, in my mind, at least. Yeah, I'd say that's pretty um, pretty solid shot. I, I, it's just with the NFL, with the amount of teams that are losing these, it's, it's so hard to see a, a for sure number one seed besides, I hate to say, the Packers are probably the best-looking team in the NFC right now. Um, but who knows? Maybe the Vikes could make a late push. I don't know. I really don't. Yeah. I don't think they're good, but you never know. But yeah, I, I, Minnesota, it, we're looking, we're looking up. The twins are not looking up and not, they're not looking down, but I love, I love the bucks and I love, I love, <laughs> they're just looking. Bucks, really so they're just looking sideways. <laughs> we're looking sideways right now. I, I don't know. I don't know what the hell happened last season. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about that buck sign? I think it was a hundred million, seven years or something like that. I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome. I think there's, um, I think it's a steal for, for what he brings to the table. I know the injuries, everyone's talking about that and everyone's complaining about how he's getting injured all the time. And yeah, I mean, he is, but if he, it came down to it, I don't know how they monetize this one, but heard a stat that said in the last hundred games Buxton's played, he's been worth $50 million. Oh. I don't know how you monetize that at all. Um, I, 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 maybe someone just made that up, but I, he, when he's healthy, he's, he's an all-star and there's no way about no way around it. And I think he's going to, um, I think he's going to be worth his money, even if he doesn't play, you know, in the next couple of years, a full season. Yeah. Uh, he, he's, he's due for one full season, but I, right. I don't think it, I don't think he's done that this his career, but I'm, I'm no. excited. I'm, I'm very glad we signed him. Yeah. I'm always gun shy, at least after the, the Joe Maurer mammoth contract, I'm always gun shy mm-hmm. about these big time contracts to players who, and at that point, Maurer was pretty reliable. I mean, he hadn't had a lot of injury issues. Um, well, maybe he did. I don't know. But he wasn't out every season like Buxton, that's for sure. Uh, yeah. I'm always a little gun shy at them. But I, I will say this, that when Buxton plays, and I saw a similar stat to the to the $50 million that you mentioned, Zach, that Buxton in those 100 games is a legitimate MVP candidate and yeah. it legitimately one of the best players in the entire in the entire uh, MLB, I was going to say NHL, but in the entire MLB, he he is. I mean, he's worth every penny if he can stay on the field, but that's the big if, if he can stay on the field. He hasn't shown he's been able to do that. Um, but I, I would like to see the, or the uh, Twins now go out and make some trades and, and sign some, not make some trades, but go sign some big-time pitchers to back back this lineup up because they really haven't done that every year. It's like, gets pretty late in the spring and it's like, okay, now we're going to go sign some pitcher whose ERA was 7.8 last year. And he's yeah, going to be our he's number two. But he's maybe at one yeah. year left in them. It's just classic twins to do that. And yeah, we do need someone. We need someone that we can um, throw behind uh, Maeda and, and Bar- uh, not Barris anymore. Maeda. Yeah. <laughs> we need Maeda. someone to throw behind him because we really don't have a solid number two, three, four, five. <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm trying to think who our last uh, who our number two guy would be. Pineda is Pineda still there? I think so. Yeah, he was actually decent last year too, if I remember. He was. He was. I think he was decent. Um, but 
yeah, I think yeah. there's still some hope. I think the Twins could have a good year. It's good to have Buxton back, and it's it's cool to see that the um, the the big I guess claws behind his contract. The the reason that it was getting, taking so long for them to sign him, and the reason why they couldn't get it done last summer is because he wanted to have an no trade clause. And I think that's cool. He said, "I only I was drafted by this team. I want to play for this team. I want to finish my career with this team." And that's uh, something we don't typically see from big that time athletes awesome. playing in Minnesota. No, that is amazing. I think that's really cool. Yeah. So he should have the total support of of the fan base, and not that he didn't already, but it should be even a bigger ovation every time his name is called inside a Target Field uh, this next year. Especially because of what he what he what we could have paid him, you know, the, I mean, a hundred million dollars, a lot of money, but over seven years, but I don't know what that equates to us at 13, 13, yeah, a little less like 12.7 or so. Let's see. I mean, think, think about that one, man. Like that, whenever we gave Maurer's massive contract eight years ago, whatever that was nine, I don't know how long gave him 23 a year. And now you you see these big guys now getting 30 a year. We signed Buxton for 13 a year for the next seven years. That's incredible. Oof. And obviously that does take into account his injuries. But I, I think if he had more in, like an incentive-based contract, I think it'd be wonderful. I don't know exactly what his, his contract looks like for incentives. But I think this is, I think this is an, an unbelievable signing. But like 14.2. 14.2 a year, Zach. We're both terrible at, na- at math. Yeah. Horrible, um, how, horrible. Many, how many games do uh, Twins play 162 a year? Yep. So let's do fourteen million two hundred thousand divided by one hundred and sixty-two games. He's making eighty-seven thousand dollars a game. Now, what I would like to see them do, obviously, they'd never do this because it'd be a horrible deal for the player. But I would like to see him. Okay, we'll pay you eighty-seven thousand dollars every time you play Buxton. But when you miss two months, you're making no money. Like you're not getting yeah. paid that eighty-seven thousand dollars a game. See, that's the thing, I, or, or less money than that, because then it would free up some room for these other guys, um, or to, to sign other guys. You, you get a you get a dude you like Trout, you sign him a massive deal, um, ridiculous deal, and then he doesn't play. It's like, well, shit, now our money's gone. Right. For this guy who doesn't play, and right. so I think give more incentive based contracts. I think that's what they should do for for everybody. It doesn't make sense not to. You know, if you're not playing, don't get paid the big money. That's just as simple as that. Right. Amen. And I wonder if baseball, I, I was reading that, actually somebody told me, I didn't read this. I think it was, a, yeah, a buddy of mine told, uh, BG and I actually, we were watching the Gopher game on Saturday, said that in Formula One next season, they're capping every team at, I don't know what the number was, we'll, we'll call it a hundred million because in Formula One, just like in baseball, you got Mercedes and you got these top end teams that could be comparable to the Yankees or the Red Sox that are spending $150 million on their car. And then you got the bottom end teams that are spending $60 million on their car. And those two cars are racing against each other. It's a totally unfair race. Just like in baseball, you got the Yankees spending nearly $200 million a year on their team. And you got the Orioles or the Tampa Bay Rays who are spending $80 million on their team every year. It's not a fair fight. And it's awesome to see the little guys take down the big guys. It's a cool kind of rivalry that you get there between the Giants and, and the little guys. But in, in Formula One next season, they're capping everybody. And everyone's going to be paying the same for their car. So it really is going to be who's the best driver, who are the best mechanics, who are the best uh, car coaches or whatever. I don't know what they call them. Uh, and I wonder if baseball would ever <laughs> adopt something like that. Dude, I think that's a brilliant. I think it is. Yeah, it does seem like the... To see, that's why that Rays making the World Series um, last year, the year before, so unbelievable is that their salary cap was 
70 million, 75 million compared to Dodgers, um, 270 million. It's like, it, it was literally, it was like almost a $200,000 difference, 200 million. Right. I'm sorry. Yeah. 200 million dollar difference That's in insane. what they were paying their guys. I'm that's a, that's well, so do, do you know, do you know who it is though? That, that doesn't want a salary cap. It's the players. Yeah. Fair. Because, because that just means there's a larger pool of money for them. Like I think just with the baseball union they're they're never going to allow a salary cap. I think, you know, probably half the owners in baseball would be fine with a salary cap, but you need two thirds of owners to, to pass anything. Um, but so what if you took the same amount of money, Andy, you had the same, let's say, Every year they spend a billion dollars on, on contracts with players, the MLB does as a whole. So instead of having the Yankees and the Dodgers spend $400 million of that billion dollars, two teams spend 40% of that payroll, why don't you just split up the, the billion dollars among every team? So now... Well, because, because, the, because the Yankees don't want revenue being taken from them if their TV deal is better for their local market, if their ticket sales are larger. I mean, it's... You, yeah, but that's one team. The Rays would definitely want that. The Orioles would definitely want that. The Cleveland Indians would definitely want that. All these other markets. So, I mean, I don't know. It seems to me if, if you had, I'm sure there's a lot of other stuff that go into it too, but two-thirds of the markets are definitely smaller than than the top five teams, the top five markets. So I could see, like, where yeah, the Yankees, they wouldn't want to do that. The Dodgers, they wouldn't want to do that. The, the Cardinals, they wouldn't want to do that. The Red Sox, they wouldn't want to do that. But in my mind, I don't know why, like, even the Twins, they have, I think, like, the 17th highest payroll or something like that in, in the MLB. Why wouldn't they be all about that? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you can't, like, if a team just makes more revenue on their own business, baseball doesn't have the right to take money unless it's anything collectively bargained among all owners. So, I mean, I think if you had a salary cap, the Yankees would be hitting it every year and the the Mariners, I mean, we have the Mariners, but you know, some other like teams like the Rays, they would still be spending the same amount of money. Unless you force them to spend the same. I mean, like, I guess I don't know ex- exactly how they do it in football, but they all have a salary cap and they're all spending around the same and amount of money, I think. And the salary cap in, in football is very small considering how large football is. Yeah, what and is how it? Many, and, how many, and how many players on a team. You have 53 players on a team. Yeah. Football, football salary cap is extremely small on a, I guess, a per player basis. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. It's all, it's all over my head, I guess. Um, you guys want to get into pick segment? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. What were the results last week? Okay. So I'm tallying up the results and I realized I didn't get games in. I didn't get answers from, um, let's see. Well, Randy, you, I think you won it because I was terrible. So Ohio State, Michigan, we all picked Ohio State. So then boom, all 0-1. Uh, Wisconsin versus Minnesota. BG picked Wisconsin. The rest of us picked Minnesota. So we're all one and one besides BG. He's 0-2. The Lions game, I don't have anyone's pick from the Lions-Bears game. I know I picked the Lions. I Andy, I think you did it as well. I think I did too. What okay. was the score of that game? Uh, the Bears won by, let's see. I think, I think they covered. Six, maybe? I think they, no, they didn't cover. They won by three. So the Lions covered. Okay, Bears awesome. Won by two. Uh, yeah. So line <laughs> line was three. So the Lions covered in that one. And BG, who'd you pick in that game? I had Lions. Okay. And Zach, do you remember who you picked in that one? 
I'm pretty sure I want Lions too because I bet on them to win outright money line. <laughs> okay, so we're all two and one. BG one and two. Packers versus the Rams. Randy, I think you picked the Packers. That puts you at three and one. I picked the Rams. That puts me at two and two. BG, do you remember who you picked in that one? I didn't write that one down. Um, do you do you remember what the spread was? It was uh, money line even. Even odds. I think I picked the Packers. Okay. That puts you at two and two. Zach, do you remember who you picked? Uh, probably Rams. That puts you at two and two as well. And then the last game we picked was Vikings at 49ers minus three. Vikings did not cover that. Uh, BG, Zach, and I all picked the Vikings. Randy, you picked the 49ers. Randy finishing the week at four and one. BG, Zach, and I all finishing at two and three. So Randy with a two-game advantage now heading into our second week of pick segment uh, through 12 weeks of football. <laughs> um, all right, you guys ready for the games this week? Let's do it. And f- before we start, do you all have an upset pick uh, ready? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Randy? Uh, yes, let me pull up my sports book real quick to double check. Yes, I do. Okay, cool. And I'm going to write all these down this time. Not just half the games. So we got Michigan and Iowa Big Ten Championship game. Iowa's getting ten and a half points. I'll start. I like Michigan. Michigan. I'll, I'll, I'll go next. I'll say that's a big half point right there. I'll, I'll take Iowa in the points. If it's, I mean, I think if it's nine and a half, I might, I might take Michigan. But that's a big half point there to make it ten and a half. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got to bet who you're cheering for. I'm taking Michigan. Love it. Zachary. Yeah, Michigan too. Beautiful. Let me just get these written down. All on the Michigan train besides Randy. All right, next game, Georgia-Alabama SEC championship game. This is something you're not going to hear very often. Alabama getting six and a half points. I'll start once again. I like Alabama with the points this week. I don't know if they're going to win the game, but I like them getting six and a half. Randy? Um, I don't like them getting six and a half. I think they're lucky to score 10 points. Zachary? I like, uh, man, I like, I was thinking about it a lot today. I think, I think Bama's going to cover that, but I, I, I hope Georgia wins. I'm, I want them so badly to win, but I got to go Alabama cover. BG? Zach, was it you and I watching uh, the TV when we saw that on the bottom the last time Alabama was an underdog? Uh, no, that might have been you and Jared. Okay, it was some absurd, like maybe 15 years. Holy no. cow. Or no way. Maybe five years. 15 or five. I don't it could be 15. Numbers, you know, it honestly it was either could. 15 or five. That's how my brain works. Either 15 or five, I think, since Alabama has been an underdog, but I'm going Georgia. I think, I think um, they're going to win by at least a touchdown. And before we move on, did you guys see Nick Saban's rant uh, before they played Auburn, before they almost lost and should have lost to Auburn? Uh, Some reporter asked him about uh, blowing teams out, and he went on like a three-minute just rant about how the fans and the media is ungrateful for Alabama football and for how good they are. And it's awesome. And he just absolutely tears this reporter a new one and just – gets super angry too like he's visibly upset 
about the question. He's like, you guys don't understand how much time these kids put in and how much they give to this team. And if they beat a team by 10 points, your arms are in the air wondering why they didn't win by 20. And it's ridiculous. And he just, it's awesome. Uh, it is ridiculous. I would high, <laughs> highly recommend looking that up. And then they did like, nearly uh, lose. Underdogs for the first time since 2015. Okay. So that's why I was thinking 15. It ends the 92-game streak as being betting favorites. Oh, nice. Absurd. Longest since 1978. Wow. Yeah, I, I like them as underdogs here. I like them with six and a half. Let's move on. Baylor, Oklahoma State, Big 12 championship game. I, I'm i just going to pick this one. I'm going, I'm going Baylor. I like Baylor to cover that. Randy? Uh, I'll take Oklahoma State. I think it's uh, I think it's fine that they're here this year. And I think they look so good in those orange jerseys. Holy cow. I bless you. Zachary likes Oklahoma State as well. BG? Um, unlike the rest of the guys, I'm going to ask what the spread is. Uh, five and a half. Uh, Oklahoma State. Oh, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the paper right now. Oh, okay. Sorry, I did. I thought I said it. I I meant to I meant to say the spread. Uh, my bad. Uh, um, BG on the Oklahoma State train as well. I feel like that's kind of a lot of points. And Baylor's a good team. I'll take Baylor to cover. I hope Cowboys win, but I'll take Baylor. Okay. All right. You and I are both on the Baylor train. Uh, switching over to NFL, we got one NFL game this week. It's really the only game I was interested by. Um, and it's Patriots Bills. Bills two and a half point favorites, even though the Patriots have been super hot recently. I love Bill Belichick right now. I think he's at peak Bill Belichick showing up to work wearing like homeless man clothes. He looks like he's put on like ten to fifteen pounds, which unlike Mike Zimmer, I think is is a good thing for for Bill Belichick. It means he just is absolutely disregarding his health completely and totally his look, everything. He's one hundred percent focused on this football team. And it's awesome to watch Mac Jones every week. I like the Patriots. Randy. Yeah, I love the Patriots. I'm surprised they're not favored. Yeah, me too. Zachary. Oh, that's tough. Um, Bills need this one, but. Yes, they do. Uh, let's go Bills. Let's go Bills. I love it. Yeah, you- I'll go with the Bills too. Um, tilt towards Josh Allen versus Mac Jones. All righty. Now let's do upset pick. I like the Chargers over the Bengals. Uh, for some reason, didn't put the line on here. It was like five, maybe four and a half um, Chargers at the Bengals. But I, I think uh, bounce back week for the Chargers. They seem to be an every other week team to me. Uh, so I like them coming off the loss last week. Randy, what's your upset? Um, and, the, and this is an upset to win out, right? Yep, just a money liner. All right. Yep. I'll take the uh, I'll take the Washington football team over the Las Vegas Raiders. Love it. I think that's two and a half was the line on that one. It doesn't matter, but yeah, I thought it was more, but yeah, that's my upset though. Beautiful. So Zachary, uh, Oregon over Utah, and BG. Oregon's underdogs versus Utah. I don't know. For the second time. And they got yeah. blown out that first time, but I think they're gonna I think they're gonna win this one. Okay. Um I don't know if we all need different ones, but I was gonna do Washington over the Raiders as well. I like that one. Nope, you don't have to have a different pick. We'll we'll allow. Uh yeah, okay. it looks like Oregon is a three point underdog. Just uh wow. clarifying on that one. And this is a good time to say, as I was sidetracked earlier in the bathroom uh, i did some research and the vikings are out of the playoffs right now we're the eighth seed 
and the Washington football team after their win on Monday night is the oh, seventh seed. That's that hurts. They got the tiebreaker. So, can, we're can on the we, outside looking in. Can we talk real quick? Did you all watch that game last night? I didn't watch the whole game. thing. Okay, did you see what happened at the end of there where Washington is up by eight points, two minutes to go. They have the ball, fourth and goal from the four, and they go for the touchdown up eight instead of kicking a field goal. <laughs> they, I think and they're what up. Are they, and what, is, they're what does Seattle do? Seattle, Seattle doesn't have a first down the entire second half, and Seattle marches down the field and scores a touchdown. Like, why yeah, it was because their kicker got hurt. Oh, their kicker got hurt? Yeah. I mean – it's a 27-yard field goal. You don't have someone on your <laughs> yeah, team. Yeah, put in Ocho Cinco. Soccer. True. You don't have your team played soccer in, in high school and can kick a kick a ball. The punter. <laughs> that's a that's Mike Zimmer esque uh, game management. That's that's pathetic. Who who ended up winning the game? That was so bad. Washington. Oh okay. Well, so they're up. ahead of us. They're five and six, like us. And I don't know, it might be a close race between us and them for the last spot. They don't have two their, – their schedule isn't that hard for the mm. rest of the season. They play the Cowboys. They play the Giants. They play the Eagles twice. Oh, boy. And maybe one other <laughs> NFC East team. Yeah. That's, Again. It's going to be yeah. a struggle. And it's going to be an absolute grind uh, to get in, I guess, for the Vikings. I mean, it's been a grind all year. They're going to somehow get in, get that seventh seed. And then get at, maybe even win the first round too. Maybe even upset somebody like they did in 2019, beat the Saints on the road, and then just get throttled in the next round. That's my prediction. Hopefully, so, it's not good enough to keep Zim. Oh, amen, amen. If we can do one thing this year, it's fire Mike Zimmer. <laughs> Fellas, any final thoughts on this week? I've got oh, wow. I've got one crazy fact that I was been holding off on. Um, I don't know if it, this has changed since then, but this was from two weeks ago, I said on Twitter. Um, so two weeks ago, it says, with the Panthers' win over the Cardinals Sunday, cat teams versus bird teams is now tied at 209 to 209 in <laughs> 10 ties throughout the course of NFL history. What? So that's you can insane. Just take a minute to ponder over that. Yeah. That's bird a g- teams versus cat teams. That's a very good stat to leave us on for the week. We're about to run out of recording space here on the SD card, so we're going we're gonna to end it right on that note. That's insane, and it's also insane that somebody went back and dug through all that to find that out. Absolutely wild. We'll see you guys all next week. And day after day I'm more confused And I look for the light in the pouring rain You know that's a game I hate to lose And I'm feeling strange Oh, ain't it a shame? Oh, give me the beat, boys, and free my soul I wanna get lost in your rock and roll and drift away Give me the beat, boys, and free my soul I wanna get lost in your rock and roll and drift away Won't you take me away, yeah I'm beginning to think that I'm wasting time I don't understand the things I do 
The world outside looks so unkind I'm counting on you to carry me through Oh, give me the beat, boys, and free my soul I want to get lost in your rock and roll And drift away Give me the beat, boys, and free my soul I want to get lost in your rock and roll And drift away Won't you take me away, yeah And when my mind is free You know melody can move me And when I'm feeling blue The guitar's coming through to soothe me Thanks for the joy that you've given me I want you to know that I believe in your song Oh yeah Rhythm and rhyme harmony You help me along Oh, making me strong Oh, give me the beat, boys, and free my soul I wanna get lost in your rock and roll And drift away, drift away Don't, don't, don't Give me the beat, boys, free my soul I wanna get lost in your rock and roll And drift away Don't you take me away